0: a constant listener. Please note that this week's episode contains clips from the previous season that are relevant to the flashback. Indian Noir will return in a fortnight as I am busy writing a show for one of the streaming giants in India. I am very excited to announce details of this in the near future. Indian Noir listeners will be able to listen to this upcoming space horror fantasy for free so stay tuned for details. Don't forget to follow Indian Noir on social media on at underscore Nikesh Murali on Instagram and at Indian Noir on Twitter for the latest updates. Enjoy this week's episode. This is Indian Noir. You're listening to Fear FM, Season 2, Episode 9. What does work think about you going ghost hunting with your junkie friend? Deepa asked with a smile. Her sense of humour had clearly survived the hospital stay. Anjali, who was driving, returned the smile. I have taken a month's leave, she said. In the middle of a busy investigation, Deepa asked. Anjali sighed. Okay, if it makes you happy, here's the truth. I was forced to take leave, and they have assigned someone else to the case. I am sorry, Deepa said. To get to their destination, they had to travel for an hour and a half on a long stretch of winding road through a forest aptly named the ocean of trees on both sides look endless, Deepa said, looking out of the window. Yeah, the place has always given me the creeps, which is why I looked concerned when you told me where we had to go, Anjali said. Do you think this man, Druman Baba, will come with us? I mean, firstly, will he even believe our story? Anjali asked. I hope so. The lal Shudel showed me where to go find her. But she said, it was essential that we bring Dhruman Baba along with us. Deepa said. Well, if he doesn't come, we will have to go find that bitch ourselves. Anjali said, patting the knife sheath attached to her belt. Deepa looked at the weapon with concern. What? I can't take my service revolver. So I thought this would be the next best thing. You think we can defeat her? Deepa said. We will have to try. And hopefully this Druman Baba can help us. Anjali said. Deepa grabbed her backpack from the back seat. She opened the bag exposing its contents I have also come prepared just in case she said Anjali had a quick peek in and saw across some cloves of garlic and what looked like holy water I want to laugh but I am not going to and also I am not going to ask you where you stole those from Anjali said don't Deepa responded. We might not survive this, but by God we will not go down without a fight, Anjali said. What if we have to sacrifice ourselves for your niece? Deepa asked, closing the bag up and returning it to the back seat. Then I will do it without a second's hesitation. But I can't ask you to do the same. It is up to you. Anjali said. We might not have a choice, Deepa said. Anjali sighed. But I want you to know that I will sacrifice myself if it meant we could save lives, Deepa said. I would do that for a friend. She continued. Do you remember the time when I protected you from those bullies? In the schoolyard, Chamanlal's daughter and her gang of mean girls. My ribs still hurt thinking about it, Anjali said. You were always more than a friend to me. You were like a sister, Deepa said. Stop, Deepa. I'm not comfortable with this conversation, Anjali said. They drove in silence for a few more miles before they came upon the bridge over the river Kanthi. As they drove over the bridge, their attention was drawn to the sprawling slum of Kaidipur. It clung to the banks of the river like a cancerous growth. A dismal diorama made up of crumbling mud huts and asbestos sheets black as coal and rotting palm leaves. The soil and the air in this godforsaken place reeked of despair. They drove on for two miles and turned right into a road that cut through a forested area. An enormous man, with a bald head, a handlebar moustache and a machete hanging from his belt stood in the middle of the road, chewing palm. He waved them down and tapped on the car's window. Anjali rolled down the window. He inquired, What business do you have in these parts? For a second, Anjali considered throwing the weight of her badge around. But this man was here to keep out people who might be considered interlopers. People who did not look favorably upon those who traded their supernatural wares. We are here to see Dhruman Baba, about a demon that kidnapped my niece, Anjali said with a straight face. There was no other way to explain it. I've heard far worse, ladies, the man said. I'm not to be insensitive or anything, he added when he saw the disapproving look on the faces of both the women. He straightened up and waved them on. That was interesting, Deepa said, as they drove down the path, the tires crunching the gravel and disturbing the peace of the surrounding woods. The road ended in front of a large rock outcrop, carved out by human hands to create shallow caves. They could both see the faint glow of lamps from within some of the caves. Anjali parked the car under an enormous tree covered in creepers. You ready for this? Anjali asked. Yes, Deepa said with trepidation in her voice. Deepa and Anjali shared storytelling duties as they briefed Dhruman Baba about their history with the Lalchadel, starting with Seema's disappearance, all the way to the tragedy that befell Anjali's niece. An enormous man with a grey beard that nearly touched the floor, and red locks that fell off his shoulder like snakes. Dhruman Baba was dressed in black. Ash and red kumkum powder decorated his worried face. He listened to the two women as he drank herbal tea. The lamps that barely lit the cave heightened the impact of the history of terror they were narrating. In my vision, my parents transformed into the Lal Chudail. She told me where Anjali and I could find her. Provided we bring you along with us. Deepa said, Dhruman Baba took a long sip and then placed his clay tumbler next to him. He let out a deep sigh. Is she known to you? Anjali asked. Dhruman Baba looked at both women with sad eyes. You knew her before she became Larchadale, didn't you? Anjali said. I cannot help you," Drummond Baba said. "I have to come clean. I am a police officer investigating the case of disappearing teenage girls in the City. Lives are at stake here, Baba. We know you are a great practitioner of occult magic. At least that's what everyone we asked around told us. Where badge and gun and forensic tech has failed. Your magic might succeed. So please don't refuse us help. I beg you, Anjali said. Please, Baba. My life has become a waking nightmare because of this demon. Help me find an end to this. We cannot defeat her without you, Deepa begged with folded hands. No, I can't, Baba said. You can't or you won't, Anjali said angrily. Deepa fell to the ground and touched his feet. Baba was unmoved. Get up, Deepa. This man will not help us, Anjali said, pulling Deepa up to her feet. Baba looked away, but he could still feel the angry gaze of the women burn into his flesh. We will try to save them by ourselves. But without you by our side, our chances are slim. We hoped a learned man like you would listen to our pleas, But it looks like you are more interested in hiding in your cave. You may have just signed off on our death warrants. Come on, Deepa, Anjali said. Baba watched the women storm off angrily. He let their footsteps fade away before he stood up. Baba walked to the entrance of the cave and gazed outside at the trees gently swaying in the forest breeze. He knew the identity of the Larchdale, and he was cognizant of the destruction she was unleashing on the mortal plane. Like a parent beholden to the love of his problem child, he agonized over it every sleepless night. His mind raced to a conversation he had many years ago in the same cave. A conversation he had with a young man named Prakash and his dear friend, the occultist, Iktaji. This is the sun you talk of he said, looking at Prakash. Ekta turned around and smiled at Prakash. Prakash said Namaste and nodded. Your father approached one of my students to awaken the darkin He gave her a bundle of money, which he claimed was his life savings, and begged for the vilest of dark souls that we had harvested from the innards of Nidhagadanya. Baba drank a white liquid from a brass pot and it spilled from his lips and cascaded down his beard. Truman Baba didn't bother to wipe it. The forest, Prakash asked. The forest is a strange place. People travel in there to commit suicide. Sometimes the mob bury their hapless victims in there. Restless and vengeful spirits wander its dark shadows. We harvest them. To enhance our powers, to do our bidding. It is mostly harmless. I'm sorry, but I can't see what is harmless about that, Prakash said. I don't expect you to understand. Baba scoffed. Prakash shifted uncomfortably. Sometimes the forest spits out something so evil that it should never be harnessed for its powers. Unfortunately, my student did the exact thing that I had warned her not to engage in. She awakened the Dagin to satisfy her greed for the money your father threw at her, and send it your way. Ekta sighed. Didda Devi prided herself on being Dhruman Baba's favorite student. She excelled at grasping his lessons on mantras and tantric rites that could manifest dark energies from the world of the dead and bring forth useful knowledge to share with the living, sold to the living for a good price. She had lived in poverty in Kadipur slum. As a young girl, she sold corn and plastic toys at the local markets. And when that stopped bringing in the income, she sold her body to strangers. Rudra would have killed herself a long time ago if all she saw was the darkness in her life and in the people she engaged with. But what saved her was her ability to see beyond, see through the veil of darkness, to the other side. All she needed was someone to guide her, and Dhruman Baba proved not just to be an excellent teacher, but also a saviour. Finally, she had knowledge and power and most importantly, hope. What would have taken students three decades, she learned in three years. Her abilities were so powerful that she had Dhruman Baba's blessings to harvest spirits and use them to benefit her trade. Never use your powers to harm anyone. Never use it to satiate your greed, he used to say. By all means, make a living, but don't get mesmerized by the color of money. Don't forget our creed. She had harvested many souls over the years, rotting suicide victims hanging on trees in the forest, withering bodies unearthed from shallow graves the mob had dug. But one day, she came upon a man who was digging a grave in the depths of Naragarania. An old woman, he had no doubt carried in from the slum, lay near him on a bed of dried leaves. She lay underneath a tree Dressed in black, milky-white eyes wide open, with a look of hatred so intense it made her seem alive. The middle-aged man in a tattered vest and thought stopped digging when he saw Rudra Devi. He dropped the shovel and joined his hands in reverence. The people who lived in the slum revered the dark magic practitioners of near forest, especially Druman Baba and the students. The man saw Rudra Devi stare at his dead mother. She was my mother, this vile woman. That hatred you see on her face was her constant companion. She felt disgust for life and love, detested us children. Her own granddaughters, our friends. She would inflict pain on innocent creatures to seek pleasure. My mother, this vile woman. I didn't want her buried anywhere near my home, the man said. How did she die? Rudra Devi asked. The man hesitated. From old age? Rudra Devi did not believe him. She looked at the blue tinge on the dead woman's lips. It was not unusual in the slum to feed old people milk-laced with yellow oleander juice, to get rid of them when they became a burden. How much do you want for her? She inquired. What? The man asked. For not burying her, for parting with her body she said. No, I he nervously looked at his feet. I have to give you some consideration in return for your permission to perform rites on your mother's body. Whatever you like, Tantrika, he said after considering her offer. Here, she said, extending a black thread, it will enhance your virility even into your old age. Blessed by the great Baba. The man accepted the blessings happily. He looked at his mother and then back at Rudra. You may go now. I will look after her, she said. The man put the sacred thread into his shirt pocket and walked away, the shovel resting on his right shoulder. Rudra bound the old woman with a rope against a tree. As the body rotted in the forest's heat, Rudra Devi, who had created a yantra on the ground with chalk powder, chanted powerful mantras. The rituals went on for seven days and seven nights. A deadly rage emanated from this spirit. She had never felt such hatred from a subject before. It was not unusual for spirits to be angry during the harvesting process. But this was something else. But Rudra was confident in her training and she persisted through the difficult phases of the ceremony finally she drew the old woman's soul into a steel nail covered in red kunguma powder and hammered it into the tree that was the abode of her decaying form Once Rudra completed the rites, she returned to Baba, boasted to him about her successful harvest. She was so proud of what she had accomplished, and she couldn't wait for someone to come looking for her services, for something truly special, something that demanded higher than usual rates, a big bundle of notes thrown at her feet demanding she unleashes the spiteful soul on some hapless victim. Baba's ethos had served him well, but she was not obliged to embrace his creed. Where was right and wrong when her father made her eat grass because they ran out of food? When she was hit like a fucking dog by her mother for failing to sell enough corn? When diseased truck drivers Ravished her soul without mercy. I see darkness in you, Baba used to say. Remember my teachings. Do not succumb to temptation, child. But when a disgraced school teacher and a child molester from the nearby slum threw a large cloth bundle full of notes at her feet, Dudra Devi silenced the better angels of her nature. The man had the nervous energy of an animal who was being hunted. Dark circles around his bloodshot eyes, unkempt hair, filthy clothes. I want revenge, he said. I want the woman who wrecked my life to suffer. It will cost you more than a bundle of money, Lutha said. Take it. It is a lot of money. It is all of my life's savings, he said. More, Dudra Devi said. Anything, the man said, falling on her feet. Anything. On the day of the ceremony, she pulled out the nail from the tree. The old woman's body was now merely a dry husk. Rudra hammered the nail into a featureless doll made from black cloth and stuffing from old mattresses. You must have this on you when you do the deed, she said, extending the doll to the man. Yes, the man said, smiling crazily. Thank you. She watched him walk excitedly to his death. Somewhere a noose was waiting for the man, a rope that would end his life and awaken the Dakin. What happened to your student? Prakash asked after taking a few moments to process what he had just finished hearing about his father. The air in the cave seemed stale. The lamps dimmed as if the life had been sucked out of their blue hearts. Ektaji shifted uncomfortably as Dhruman Baba began. After your father's death, Rudra came to me, complaining about visions, about someone following her. She looked frail and distraught. She wasn't clear about who or what it was. I tried to help, but she declined my advice and said she knew what to do. One Sunday, dressed in ceremonial red, she walked into that forest to perform rites that would banish her tormentor, but she never came back. It was late afternoon now, but you couldn't tell because of the oppressive shadows in the cave. This abode of magic was the domain of the creatures of the nights. The wind picked up outside and howled through the entrance. Dhruman Baba continued. Her people in the slum say they have seen her, a gnarled, disfigured creature haunting the woods looking for hapless souls to feed her eternal hunger. They call her. Lal Chadell, offered. I have heard the stories. I don't think that's her, Durman Baba said. I believe in my heart that she is gone. Maybe that is what you would like to believe, Ikta said. Truman Baba smiled sadly. A small tear travelled down from the corner of his left eye. We expect a lot from our homes. They're more than a place to hang your hat. They're where you try your hand at gardening and new recipes, rest and recharge, work and play. And that's why at HomeAdvisor, we're committed to keeping your home up and running. Whether you need to repair an overloaded appliance or you're looking to create a backyard retreat worthy of a summer staycation, use the HomeAdvisor app day or night and we'll find a local pro to get the job done right. Whatever you need, we'll do everything to fix your everything. Download the HomeAdvisor app today to get started.